Hey, man. What's up, Ev? So I know this isn't a Frenterrogation episode, but I still would like to open up this particular episode by asking you a question. Okay, it's, again, not a Frenterrogation episode, but I'll give my best shot at answering. Cue me, bro. All right. So, Luke. Evan. Can you tell me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What is sport? Oh, jeez. I didn't see it coming. <laughs> Hang on, really quick, Evan. Do you have my response written out? <laughs> what do I say here, Evan? You haven't given me anything. Yeah, I'm sort of, I'm sort of leaving you out to dry. You're on your own, bud. I, I have no idea what sport is, I, but I have learned what a Laugh Olympic is. Or Laugh Olympics? What's the, what's the terminology here? It's a Laugh Olympics. It is the Laugh Olympics that we are watched that we're going to talk about today, which involved a variety of different sports. And I, I guess sports in this context are games that have very flexible rules. Yeah, we. Oh, okay. So. Oh wait, who, we. Who are who are who are we even? What are the Scooby Dudes? Oh, we're two best friends. We're talking about our favorite meddling kids. And they're dumb dog too. Your my, name is Evan. My name is Evan. And what we're going to be covering this <laughs> hey, week. My name is Luke. Hey. And what we're going to be covering this week is the very first episode of the Scooby, the All-Star Laugh Olympics. Is it Scooby-Doo All-Star Laugh Olympics? Uh, many titles. There's Scooby's All-Star Laugh Olympics. There's Scooby's All-Stars. And there's Scooby's Laugh Olympics. It's so complicated. There's so many names to juggle. Not just the titles of the show, but the various different characters, the team names. It's a lot. Uh, but we're just going to call it the Laugh Olympics. And we are going to do the first episode. And that is... The Swiss Alps and Tokyo, Japan. Because each episode of this series uh, is in different uh, kind of globe-trotting locations. Now, let me give just a brief synopsis. Synopsis of Laugh Olympics in general. Basically, there's three teams that are all competing in these comedy Olympics, but in which there are actual games. You're not trying to be funny. You're trying to win a variety of small sports games. I guess it is worth clarifying that the Laugh Olympics are not like a comedy-style... Um, what's the word that I'm looking for? Uh, gauntlet. Yeah, it's, it's, it's it, not quite like a British game show, I would think, where nobody cares if they win. You're all just trying to have fun and get your one-liners out. They're all trying to win. No, no one's trying to make anyone laugh, I think, is the thing. I think that in today's... I think that if you said Laugh Olympics today, people would think that it was, like, different stand-up comedians, and they were all competing oh, yeah. for something. I would think it would, it's a Jimmy Fallon bit. That uh, he, he has a lot of different comedians oh. on. I know, it doesn't sound good. It sounds like lip sync battles. Um, uh, Jimmy Fallon's uh, Lip Sync Olympics. Sync Olymp. All right. It's, it's the Lip Sync Games. <laughs> ah, you got it. Thank you, man. Oh, I'm actually like so surprised because that's like. I'm a, that's it. I was ready to abandon that. Frankly, I'm going to cut that because I want people to think it was impossible. <laughs> it couldn't have been done. This, um, is, uh, this is the. Um, what is it? It's that Matt Damon Finding Forrester? No. That was that, about that black kid who could that, write good. That kid was definitively not Matt Damon. <laughs> and what Sean that, Connery was also in it. Finding Forrester. Matt Damon is like a he's like a genius. I I mean the Martian he's comes to mind, but I don't think that's what you're thinking of. No. Um he uh he like I guess he's oh, a genius. How did I not like think a university? Of, uh, Oh my goodness! How do I still not have this? Um, <laughs> you don't with Ben Affleck, either. of course. Oh my gosh! Yeah, Ben Affleck. This is definitely getting for, cut. For I can't. I can't bit. let the public know that I'm having this much trouble thinking of Goodwill Hunting. Yeah. I okay. So that was a very, very, very long digression to say that. Uh, 
Jimmy Fallon's Olympic lip sync game is your Goodwill Hunting blackboard. And as far as you're concerned, no one can solve it. Am I wrong? I'm the professor in this scenario. Or You're the professor, correct. It's, it's kind of fun that you're almost like assuming that this is making the cut. <laughs> <laughs> Two dudes talking about Scooby-Doo. Two dudes just like you. Unless you're a lady, mm, this show is for ladies too. If you're LGBTQ, we are your Scooby-Doos. Let's just get to the episode. This is our first time doing uh, Scooby's Laugh Olympics, and in fact, it was brought to our attention by one of our listeners. Our dear friend Michael. I will say, even though we're starting at the first episode, I do not think that this is going to be one of those shows we're going to keep coming back to. I was afraid you were going to say, I can't wait to do this again in 10 episodes. I enjoyed this. It was also a bit of a chore. Like, look, this is, we're the Scooby Dudes. This is a Scooby-Doo podcast. But this is not really a Scooby-Doo show, Laugh Olympics. This is a Hanna-Barbera show that is kind of dishonestly presenting itself in the first lines as saying it stars Scooby-Doo and the gang. I, I think in a world where Yogi Bear had more cultural clout and more popularity, this would be Yogi Bear's Laugh Olympics. Yeah, and but really, it's not even really Scooby's Laugh Olympics because... They, he doesn't, he and the gang don't have a greater presence than the other Hanna-Barbera characters on the show. Not at all. So I, I do want to provide some more background. This aired on ABC between 1977 and 1978. It ran for one season. Uh, and basically the premise is, um, these are Olympic games, I guess, in which three teams compete. And these teams are not associated with any specific country. Yeah, it's they're associated with their... Mm, uh, their group leaders. So let can we cover the teams real quick first? There's the Scooby Doobies to start. Uh, and the Scooby Doobies. Also, by the way, Scooby Doobies. It was the '70s, man. <laughs> <laughs> the Scooby Dooby Brothers. Uh, so the Scooby Doobies obviously is going to be headed up by Scooby Doo and the gang. And I, I'm going to run through uh, the team members on on each of these teams. Though I will say that not all of these. Uh, characters play a part in this particular episode i just want to run through um and not even like break down exactly who they are but just say their names just say their name there that's all we can do there are probably 40 characters on this show so for the scooby doobies it, it is like you said a little bit dishonest that they say scooby and the gang because shaggy and scooby are the only main mystery incorporated characters yeah, and they don't even appear in the majority of Scooby Dooby things. Like, I don't think they have more presence than anyone else on their team. Um, in fact, I'd say they take a back seat to Captain Caveman and, and the, the Teen Angels, Angels. Who, who are also on the team. A Scooby Dumb is another Scooby Doo character who's around. Mm -hmm. uh, there's Blue Falcon and Dino Mutt. Kind there's of Scooby Doo affiliated. Yeah. Speed Buggy, who is just a vehicle. A vehicle, and Speed Buggy's uh, blue S jersey is hanging on the back of its antenna. It, that is a good detail, is that um, to signify which team they're on, everybody has a little jersey that they wear over their regular clothing. Yeah, and you think the Olympics, they could afford some nice jerseys, but these are what they give you in gym class that have never been washed. The mesh jerseys that you just throw it's on over. It's gross that I can smell oh, it. I, I can know, smell that. Yeah. Uh, so Tinker, who I assume is affiliated with Speed Buggy, there's Babu, who is a uh, Jin or like a genie, mm -hmm. and there's Hong Kong Fooey, and that's the Scooby Doobies. We're not gonna go into like we're not gonna break down exactly 
who's so that's one team ostensibly the good guys but there's another team of good guys that makes it kind of kind of interesting for me uh, at the Yogi Yahooies. So the Yogi Yahooies, I think, is notable in that the Yogi Yahooies is the only team that has no human beings on it. <gasps> no kidding. I didn't register that. Uh, so, as far... Obviously, there's Yogi Bear and Boo Boo. There's also Cindy Bear, who does not appear in this episode. Really quick, Cindy Bear. I don't know... I don't really remember her super well, but I went to the Scooby-Doo Wikia and looked at a picture of her. And her profile picture is her crying, pointing to herself with her thumb. Like, that's the iconic picture, as if she's saying, I love me, what? even if you don't. It's like this really emotionally charged picture of her to, to put on. Man, I thought that you were going to comment on the fact that she's wearing her little jersey as, like, this little teeny tiny crop top, and her skirt is just uh, also... Well, her proportions are weird, but... It's what you would typically think of as a, like, circus bear skirt, i.e. a frilly belt. Yeah, which say that... It conceals Her nothing. midriff is, like, uh, a third of her body. Her midriff is taller than I am. Um, there's also uh, Yaki Doodle, who's a little duck. There's Huckleberry Hound. There's Hokey Wolf. There's Wally Gator. There's Blabber, who's a tiny, I guess, detective mouse. There's Snooper, who's, like, a detective cat. There's Oggy Doggy and Doggy Daddy. Uh, there's Quick Draw McGraw, Pixie and Dixie, who are mice, Jinx, a cat, and Grape Ape, who I Here's think like, is my favorite. I just like, oh. the name Grape Ape is wonderful to me. Grape Ape I love. I also really like Grape Ape's personality that kind of shines through in this episode. He became my favorite character. I, I don't know, what do you think, are you going to be able to name these characters by name as they appear in the show? I am going to do my best, because we're going to come back to this not anytime soon, but one day. And I'd like to have a better grasp. By the way, for our listeners, if this wasn't obvious, these are all Hanna Barbera characters. And that's uh, and those are the first two teams. Scooby Doobies are uh, ostensibly protagonists. The Yo Yogi Yahooies kind of also protagonists in the Good Guys. So those are uh, blue S jerseys for Scooby Doobies for the former, and then red Y jerseys for the latter. And that brings us to our third team. Of course, we've got to have some antagonists. Antagonists. The really rottens, and they wear green jerseys with an R on them. So I guess the thing is that there's no clear leader for for the Scooby Doobies. It's obviously Scooby Doo, and then for the Yog Yogi Yahooies, is that right? The, it's yep. it's Yogi Bear. But for the um, the really rottens, none of these characters have the word rotten in their name, so there's not a clear. Uh, I guess, focal point for this team. That's true. Or the leader of this team, who is, I will say, the team does ostensibly have a leader in Mumbly the dog. He's not vain enough to name okay, the team after himself. Is his name Mumbly? Because I always thought his name was Muttley. It, Mumbly is either a different character from Muttley or a renamed version of Muttley. Okay, okay, okay. He's Can identical. We... Okay, so when you hear Muttley, I'm sure that most of our listeners imagine a small dog. Can you do the laugh? The... <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a very like breathy snicker. I guess on the the promotional material, there are like three circles, kind of like a you know the that's all folks kind of thing. And it's Scooby, mm. it's Yogi, and it's it's Mumbly, who I'm gonna keep calling Muttley. I have you have you looked it up? Muttley on the uh, Wikipedia page for Muttley, the evil dog that kind of wears aviator goggles and hat, and all is always going. That was a good one. Thank you. Um, who is known for his mis mischievous, wheezing laughter. There is an entry on this Wikipedia page that is not short called Muttley vs. Mumbly. Muttley is sometimes confused with the crime-fighting dog Mumbly from the Mumbly cartoon show. 
But that doesn't make sense that this is a crime-fighting dog because he's on the team of Rottens. And it also, okay, because, because Muttley is from Wacky Racers, and he was the sidekick of what, Dick Dastardly? Uh, yeah, I believe so. But, but on the really Rottens, you have Mumbly, and you have the Dread Baron who is, I guess, like a Red Baron-type character, and he looks a lot like Dick Dastardly. So you you associate the two together. Oh, hang on, sorry, really, really quick. I am just just now read an article that uh, Mumbly and the Baron replaced uh, Muttley and Dastardly because Hanna-Barbera didn't own those two characters outright, so they substituted lookalikes. <laughs> Can you imagine, um, I don't know, let's say like DC Comics losing the rights to Superman... Uh, so they create someone named, like, Ubermensch, and he, I don't know, they just, like, change, the, they swap the colors around, he's, like, instead yeah. of red and blue, he's blue and red. It's, like, this seems pretty, like, a pretty sketchy way of getting around that. It, especially because, and I will say the article also goes into this, Mumbly was originally a good guy. He was a good guy detective, and they retroactively made him a villain for the sake of this show alone. That is incredible to me. And he does the Muttley laugh. That's all he does. That's all he does. Speaking of characters who only do one thing, there is a character named Magic Rabbit. Oh uh, my gosh. Magic Rabbit reacts to everything as if someone in a pup named Scooby-Doo just said drugs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Magic Rabbit is associated with um, someone named Fondue Magician. They're The great uh, Fondue. They're the Dalton brothers. There's Dinky, who's enormous, and then Dirty and Dastardly, who are very, very uh, diminutive. There is a group of monster-type, somewhat Adam's Family-esque. They're called the Creepleys, um, and and Orful Octopus, I guess, is one of their uh, associates. I keep using that word. There's a pig named Suey Pig, who is a really ugly pig with an eye patch and with, like, shoes on all Shoot of his Every legs. one of his hooves. And I, I'm glad you said gross, because that pig looks so gross. Is he Super grotesque unappealing. for you? He is, he is grotesque, yeah. And I'd say on the other end of the spectrum of rotten attractiveness is our final character, Daisy Mayhem. And she's just like a Daisy Dukes type, like, sexy character. She is very conventionally attractive, I'll say. And they try and make her hillbilly hickish in this episode to counteract that. I like that for you, those two are mutually exclusive. They kind of are. <laughs> Actually, you know what? Based on this episode, they're not. Okay, so uh, let's dive into the episode. We we laid a lot of ground. Oh, sorry. Work. Ooh, almost, 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 my friend. Two more characters, the announcers, Snagglepuss and Mildew Wolf. That's a great segue into this because the opening is narrated by Snagglepuss. Can you do a Snagglepuss voice? It's Speed Buggy and Tinker, even. Oh, what's his what's his even, catchphrase? Uh, Heavens to Murgatroyd, even. He's he's got kind so, of a lazy uh, drawl. And I've I've mentioned this in the past, but in DC Comics they were doing this whole like uh, Warner Brothers Hanna Barbera thing with with comic books. And what they did was they turned they turned Snagglepuss into like a gay playwright, like Tennessee Williams type character. I have to say, not at all a stretch. It would be a stretch to imagine him as anything else. Which, so yeah, he, he is sort of like that southern gentleman, and he has... He's kind of got this effect quality. He ends a lot of his sentences with even in a way that I really um, like. It's it's Scooby even. Heavens to Murgatroyd. I'm not, I'm not doing Snagglepuss true justice here, but I really loved Snagglepuss. A lot more than his co-host, Mildew Wolf, 
who... First of all, Mildew Wolf is a gross name. One of the worst names I've ever heard in my life. Like, hi, I'm Moldy Coyote. You know what? <laughs> Moldy Coyote sounds better. It's better. It has a ring to it. Moldy Coyote has a musical quality. Also, Mildew Wolf does not sound like a character that needed to be kept in. This is not a fan favorite, to my knowledge. I, I um, can't, for the life of me, remember Mildew Wolf's voice, but I will say that it's so fascinating watching this show, looking back on this on this era of Hanna-Barbera cartoons, and realizing that every character had a... Distinct manner of speech? Yes, that's a kind way of putting it. Absolutely, man. It's, it's honestly, that was my favorite part of this episode, was hearing how they made each character distinct by their manner of speaking. Because when you think back, you're just like, oh, they're all goofy cartoony. But there are many shades of difference in that. I think it offered their voice talent. It it was a lot more fun, I think. I, I'm, I might be projecting a little bit because I would, being able to embody mm. these, these characters. Their voices are larger than life, and I think that's very cool. Uh, larger than life is a great way of putting it. Um... Well, why don't, we, why don't we go ahead and get into this episode, Snagglepuss and Mildew Wolf, and they're narrating the first event, which is going to be happening in the Swiss Alps. Yeah, so um, so Snagglepuss and Mildew, they basically give the rundown that we just did, that there are these three teams and that they're all competing. Uh, we start the first half of the episode in the Swiss Alps, uh, the Matterhorn specifically, and, and here's what the show calls it. They call the first event, and I quote, downhill speed contest. Skiing. Was skiing not a word at this point? <laughs> okay, it was. Um, I went to the Olympics.com no, website, and so with each of their events, I will say what it, what the actual real-life oh. parallel would be. Um, so in uh, real life, this would be hmm. alpine skiing, and then specifically within that, it would be downhill men. I guess it is all males that compete in this one. And okay, I should have said this at the top. We are recording this episode on March 10th, well after the Olympics have finished. <laughs> yeah, we're nowhere near it. We could have lined this up a little bit more neatly, but we didn't. And, and because, I mean, at least for for, for myself, for, for us, I say Canadians, um, there's a lot... Winter Olympics are a big deal. We have a lot... We do quite well in, in the medal count, and which is why I think it's so... It was so jarring to me that medals do not play a role in this show. Medals are mentioned only at the very, very end. And in fact, medals aren't mentioned. One medal is mentioned, the Laugh Olympics gold, which apparently is given to the winner. But again, that's mentioned at the very end. That's not an incentive or something to be vied for that we're looking towards at the When you episode. think Olympics, you think medals. You think, oh, I got, I got a bronze, I got a silver, I got a gold. Especially because every event in this show has a first, second, and third place person, except for a couple of ones that only have one winner. Which is... And even those should have first, second, and thirds. And so what happens is that Snagglepuss and Mildew, they explain to us that um, it's actually, uh, there's a point system. First mm. place gets 25, second gets 15, and third gets 10. There are no medals, and these points, ta- like, they, t- you, they tally them up from event to event. And then at the very end, whoever has the most points, that's the winning team. Now, can we take a moment, Evan? Did you th- have an idea of who you thought was going to win this? I will say that when I chose this episode on Wikipedia, it showed me. So that's a spoiler. Okay. I was spoiled. I, here's my thing. There's two ostensibly good guy teams and only one bad guy team. Now, I think it's pretty safe to say the bad guy team is not going to win. But I guess projecting onto other episodes, do you know what happens in other episodes? Or who do you think wins most of the time or all of the time? I, again, got spoiled a lot by Wikipedia. <laughs> Because I, I went through and I looked at a lot of other episodes to get an idea of what happens overall once I finish this one. 
I will say that I thought there might, at least narratively, I thought that if the really Rottens had won, and I guess that's a spoiler to say that they don't win in this episode, mm-hmm. that would have been really... I think that would have given the rest of the season more structure in that it's like, oh, and, and like, they're a vil- an all-villain team. You know they're going to cheat. Oh, look at these cheaters pulling out ahead by using these underhanded methods. Now we, as the honest, a valiant cartoon character teams, we have to show them that playing fair uh, is the right thing to do and which still results in wins. Which is basically how the show plays out. But again, the the thing that's fascinating to me is that there's two good guy teams, which keeps the tension high. So we don't know whether it's going to be Scooby-Doo or the Yogi, the Scooby-Doobies or the Yogi Yahooies who are going to win. I I will... I mean, Sorry, go ahead. I will say that the show is called Scooby-Doo's Laugh Olympics. And yet, Scooby, the Scooby-Doobies don't win every episode. They, I'd say they win the majority, but the Yogi Yahooies win their fair share as well. I even glanced at one episode in which, although the, uh, the Rotten team didn't win, they got more than the Scooby-Doobies. Oh, they're, like, they truly are the Slytherins. They really are. And they're not even penalized that hard. Well, it's inter- Okay, let's get into the downhill ski. Downhill The alpine, ski. alpine skiing. Um, so Huckleberry Hound, he's a blue dog. Uh, he is the Yogi Yahooies um, contestant, and he's never skied before. And his rationale is, if I've never skied before, I might as well be comfortable. So he has a recliner and a little lamp on the rear of his skis. And uh, for the Scooby Doobies, Scooby himself is going to be competing, just with no equipment whatsoever on one single ski, not even like a boot lock on it. Uh, Scooby is. The, they also mentioned that he's the team captain, which again, I would say that this entire show is really kind of Olympics in name only? Well, I think it has this international quality, which is very Olympian, and it's got a variety of sports, which feels Olympian as well. It has an international quality in that they're going to different countries, but these teams are not 100%, 97% American. There's definitely some Transylvanians on at least one of these teams. (laughs) Correct. (laughs) And I, I think of octopi as citizens of the world, really. But, uh, yeah, it's not really the Olympic. Hey, folks tuning in who really wanted an Olympic experience, you're coming off of the Winter Olympics, maybe you're Canadian and you want to get a little bit more of that, this might not be exactly what you want. It's not, it's not really going to scratch that itch. Yeah. But uh, So we have Huckleberry Hound for the Yogi Yahooies, Scooby-Doo for the Scooby-Doobies, and we have quite a few people for the Rottens. For the really Rottens, it's uh, Mumbly and four other guys. In, like, a giant bobsled. It's, no, they're on skis. Oh, they are on skis? Okay. But it's five of them. Which, which look, again, I describe this event in Olympic terms as um, downhill men. That means that all the participants are men. It doesn't mean that there's more than one man. Yeah, it, downhill man is a different event. This is downhill men. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I'm just going to boil this down, um, if you don't mind. Boil it, bro. So Scooby, Scooby's very good at skiing. He's doing all these little stunts. Um, but the really rotten scare him into a tree. They then, at this point, Huckleberry Hound has fallen asleep in his recliner and he's still skiing down. Um, the really rottens, uh, they saw off the tips of his skis, which seems like a really underhanded, I'm going to use that word a lot, thing to do, but does nothing detrimental. No, not at all. They, they do saw off the skis and then pass him, but it seemed like they were going to do it anyway. But he grabs the tail, Huckleberry Hound does, of Pig Suey. Suey. Mm-hmm. And that kind of and it springs him way forward into the lead, 
The really rotten's appear to win the event, followed by the Yogi Ahui's, followed by Scooby-Doo, who has um, skied down on the tree that he was on. And here's the thing. This show took place in the late 70s. At which point, I guess, instant replay was a thing. I guess so, because they say, hey, wasn't... Uh, wasn't Huckleberry Hound in the lead? Then how did the Rottens finish first? Let's go to the instant replay. And you see right there, right before the finish line, and I don't know how anyone could have caught this in real time. I'm putting quotes around that because this is a cartoon. (laughs) The really Rottens grab Huckleberry Hound out of his recliner, pass him uh, head over head, uh, so that they they beat him like a rock star surfing the crowd, and then Which they seems, they dump him back in his recliner. It just seems ridiculous to me because with five guys, you think that they would be heavy enough that they would easily win. Yeah, the, just the the gravity would pull them down fast. It, yeah, you would think it would do it on its own, but uh, they do cross the finish line first. But the instant replay disqualifies them, so they actually. But here's the yeah. thing. It doesn't completely disqualify no, them. It just puts them in third, third place. They get third place. It's like you cheated, so you get third place. Like, no, you are out. You get nothing, but they still get their 10 points. Scooby, who rides down on the uh, tree, gets 15 points. He gets bumped up to second. Yeah, he gets five points more for not cheating. And, of course, the Yogi Yahoo's do get their 25. They earned it. Fair enough. What I really like is that... Um, and you know what? I don't care about mildew. As far as I'm concerned, the only announcer is, is um, yeah, Snagglepuss. Man. Snagglepuss says that they're penalized for skullduggery. Ah, I do like that. Snagglepuss, uh, he's got great vocab. What addiction on this guy. The next event is ice skating. It, they call it Single Freestyle Ice Skating Contest. It's judged on poise and originality. In Olympic uh, parlance, is that right? Mm. Yeah, I would say so. Um. It's figure skating, and then within figure skating, it's individual men slash women. Because, and here's something that I, I will say I liked about the Laugh Olympics. It was not, I would say, a purposeful decision on their part. There are no gender distinctions. True. It's, it almost makes this an egalitarian show, but for the fact that it has one female amongst 40 characters. Uh, well, um... The Yogi Yahooies. Oh, excuse me, two two females. There's Cindy Bear. The Yogi Yahooies have Cindy Bear. The Scooby Doobies have all of the Teen Angels, and the Really Rottens have. Oh, that's right. Daisy Mayhem. We I know we haven't gotten to the Teen Angels yet, but their voices were so grating. You hated them. I hated them. It was the most squeaky voices you've ever heard. <laughs> like, oh, it's so painful. Um. Anyways, back to the event at hand, the ice skating competition. First up, we have Yogi representing his team. Yogi Bear. Uh, and he's, he's, he has a skate on his head. Yeah, that's his thing. And what, what is it Yogi keeps saying? He's smarter than the average bear. Which I like. I, you know what? I really like liked watching Yogi Bear. Me too. You know, that's the one other property that appears in this series that I'm like, man, I do want to go back and rewatch some Yogi. You know why I liked it so much? Food. Yeah, I was a fat kid. Yeah, and Yogi's and always stealing food. I will say he's stealing not food, Luke. Picnic baskets. Picnic picnic baskets. <laughs> I did like that. I have never wanted a picnic basket more than watching Yogi Bear. Um, and he's so he's starting out. I have to make a note here on the sound effects that when he's skate, I love skating sound effects. It's so pleasing. You know, like, but when he skates, and especially when he incorporates his head skate in, it's boink, bink, dong, dink, dong, dink, dong, dong, dong. <laughs> Super goofy and, and clunky. You know what? Um, we deserve a revival 
uh, uh, Laugh Olympics revival. Um, if only because the Olympics have changed mm. so much since then. Um, which is to say, and, and I, I know that you, you don't really keep up with sports, you don't keep up with like a ton of current events, or um, mm-hmm. but what set the nation that I live in ablaze uh, was ice dancing. I don't follow that super closely, but basically ice skating to music. Yeah, and, and it's it's a man and a woman, and it's um. So uh, there's there. You mean the ultra sexy one that happened this the year? The ultra sexy one. The media darlings of of the Great White North. Um, their names are Scott Moyer and Tessa Virtue, and and the reason that they're such a huge story is that they've been skating together since they were children. So they've been skating together for twenty years. Do yourself a favor when we're done recording, and I. I to all of our listeners, do yourselves a favor, watch one of their performances from the 2018 Sochi Olympics. Because I I felt I felt bad watching it alone, but I feel like watching it with anyone in the room, like I feel like there's no way you can watch it where it doesn't if, feel and I will say this voyeuristic. If you're watching this and your parents walk in, you're scrambling for the remote or the esque button. I and where where can they watch this? Of course on scoobydudes.com. We're going to link to it. Yeah, well I'll, I'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, there we go. Um so this isn't quite the kind of performance Yogi gives. It's maybe a little less sexually charged. You don't want to see a Yogi Bear Cindy Bear. Okay, here's the thing. <laughs> Is Cindy Bear a love interest or a daughter type character? He, I I am pretty sure she is a love interest if I remember correctly, but I will have to say I don't think she and Yogi have that kind of history. If we're trying to do a direct parallel, it's going to be Yogi and Boo Boo. <laughs> what? Also because Boo Boo is so small, Yogi can lift Boo Boo and do the uh, on the shoulders move that happened in the actual in the in uh, tessa and scott's actual performance yogi bear is great at skiing i guess he i guess they score him high they don't show the actual scores they don't there's no here's the thing for the olympics you 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 don't have that panel of judges who hold the placards over their heads no we just not placards or cards so it's it's kind of subjective here well let's go ahead and move on to dino mutt who's going to be taking uh, the Scooby Doobies next round here. By the way, Dino Mutt is clearly the lead on the Scooby Doobies. I wasn't aware that Dino Mutt was an Inspector Gadget type character. I did kind of know that a little bit from some research prior to this episode. But yeah, Dino Mutt is, uh, as he's described in the opening, Blue Falcon and mechanical misfit Dino Mutt Wonder Dog. He, um, he can sort of elongate his limbs in that classic Inspector Gadget style. Yeah, he's he's basically dumb, uh, Scooby Dumb meets Inspector Gadget. That is being very unkind to uh, to Dino Mutt, I think. I do not think so. <laughs> you, 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 you know he, what? He's Inspector, similar to Scooby Dumb. I think he's the design is similar to Scooby Dumb, and uh, Dino Mutt's also not that competent. He just has this incredible Inspector Gadget esque talent. Although you know, Inspector Gadget's kind of buffoonish himself, so maybe he I don't is very need to buffoonish. Throw, I don't need to throw Dum Dum in the mix to achieve that. Uh, um, he. Scooby Dum Dum, he's not doing at all an ice skating like performance. He's just jumping over some barrels. Yeah, he's not. He's not so much doing like like a man. What did I call this? Just an uh, individual man type style skate. Um, mm-hmm. Dino Mutt is more doing what you would do at like a motocross or monster truck show. Yeah, and they, they do say that this is the end of his performance, so we're only catching the tail of it. Um, but yeah, he's just jumping over a whole lot of barrels. The last of which Mumbly is hiding in. Mumbly snickers, uh, and then I guess moves forward so that um, there's no clear ground for Dynamut to, to yeah touch down. He kind of keeps on. extending the yeah the uh, runway. The runway. 
Dynomutt does succeed in this because he extends his legs just past where Mumbly is uh, is trying to block him. Who is the um? So who is the last contestant? Who is the uh, the really rotten contestant? Well, you said this was men's ice skating, but uh, clearly that can't be the case because it's Daisy Mayhem who competes for the rotten. Correct. It is individual men slash individual women, which is what I wrote in my mm -hmm. notes. And uh, she does. She looks so unconfident on ice. I feel bad. I felt bad. Yeah, because she doesn't seem evil in any way or, like, bad. She hasn't uh, underhandedly tried to subvert the other people's performances. She's just having trouble in a, a field where she's clearly not... She doesn't know what she's doing. But she does have a great move. The move is the Hillbilly Helicopter Hoedown Spinner. Basically, she just keeps slipping and slipping and swinging her arms until she spins around in a tight circle and helicopters into the air and through the roof. And they're penalized for that. They're penalized for that. She should have won. Absolutely should have won. Pretty, it was pretty impressive. They lose for leaving the event, so they get third place. I, I think the judges are too mean here and way too generous on the last event to give them any points for that downhill ski. But that's... The, I really wish... Hmm. And I said this earlier about the whole, like, holding cards up. I really wish that we could put faces to the judges. Because I think that would help a lot. I think that's... I think that there are enough Hanna-Barbera characters that they could have assigned a few uh, these these uh, places of judgment. Yeah, absolutely. And I think they could have easily picked, say, three characters out of the two good guy teams. Or, say, one character out of each team. So there's two good guy judges and one bad guy judge. That way you've got a biased judge that could make things more interesting. The final event in the in Switzerland, in the Alps, is uh, what they call toboggan race. It's a bobsled, right? This is uh, so clearly bobsled. The Olympics would call it bobsleigh, oh. and then within the subset of that, it would be called four-man men. <laughs> uh, which is to say okay. that there's two-man men and four-man men, and there's two-man women. But you know what? There is not... Four man women, hmm. which seems why not bizarre to yeah, me. Yeah, like what? Why right? Not? Like it's you're already putting two women in a sled. Oh, what? You can't handle four women no, in a no, sled? No, 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 dude. Their periods are gonna line up there, and it's just gonna. <laughs> I think it's gonna impact the rotation of the moon somehow. I don't know the science exactly, but <laughs> I like I like that in your world, the women are affecting the moon. Isn't that not how it works? And not vice versa. Yeah, I thought that's what it was. I, I'm going to call the Scooby-Doo version four-man mixed. Mm, that's, a, that's a good way of doing it, because it's Captain Caveman and the Teen Angels. Uh, I'm going to... And this is where their voices grated against me. I'm going to run through the action again. Just breeze through it. Honestly, my note for the yogis is whatever for this event. So it's Captain Caveman and the Teen Angels. Mumbly ties an anchor to it at uh, the behest of um, the Dread Baron. And so they're all trying to push this bobsled... Uh, and then they're like, oh, look, there is a rope tied to us. And so they snip it and the bobsled shoots forward and they have to run to catch up. Um, for the really rottens, it's the Great Fondue and like some other people. The Great Fondue is the Transylvanian character that you mentioned. Yes. And and some of the other more Adam's family. The Creeplies, I believe. The, the Creeplies, exactly that. And uh, Fondue actually does have magic. He's a magical person who transforms their bobsled into a hot air balloon. It's weird to and it's then, weird that he has a Transylvanian accent, but he's not a vampire. Yeah, he's just a magician. It's also weird that he transforms their bobsled into a hot air balloon, apparently by mistake, and then back into the same bobsled. Yeah, he's just undoing his mistake. 
undoing his mistake, but like, what did he initially want to turn it into? Because uh, when he got it back into the original bobsled, it's like, oh, this is what I want. <laughs> uh, well, I think what it might be, so Otto Octopus of the and the Creepleys, they use his long arms, they spring forward, um, and what did, did I not have any notes on the yogis? Who's in the yogis uh, bobsled? I Again, my note for the yogis is, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so I will, I will likewise ignore them. Uh, but I think maybe um, what, what yeah. Fondue did was he added this drill attachment to the front. Maybe that's what his magic I, did. I wish I could say that that was not there the first time, but it was. There is no difference to this toboggan from the first and the second time. There, what the really rotten suits, they use a drill to avoid the curves of this uh, track. Yeah, they just beeline down this track that looks winding like an intestines. And, and uh, what makes sense is that these aren't races with one another it's it's whoever gets the best time so they're not running the, these mm. courses concurrently i didn't grasp that but you're it's, right there's no poorly intersection edited. you can't really it's, tell it's edited to show them like side by side but they're not actually doing it at the same time i guess uh mm. but so the the yogis um flip onto their heads for some reason but they pass the finish line they're good the scoobies um they have their sled break apart multiple times in what was kind of frightening because they're going down a hill with trees on it horizontally instead of head-on yeah each in a different piece of the sled but the sled connects back up together like a stack of legos and they also make it across the finish line. and the really rods also make it across the finish line somehow they drill out of the side of a cliff down in front of the finish line and then dig up behind the finish line and they have the the fastest time at one minute six seconds but as uh, Mildur Snagglepuss notes, they didn't actually cross the finish line. They went under it. So the Scooby Doobies win. Scooby Doobies win, Yogi's in second. And again, the Rottens, despite not even completing the race, get third place. So at this point, we have the Yogi Yahoo's at 65, the Scooby Doobies at 55, and the Ruler Rottens at 30. Correct. Uh, we're now in what they dub the Orient, which is to say Japan. I have to say, I loved the visuals of Japan. I, I really liked transporting there. I think they had some nice qual traditional qualities in the architecture and some more modern qualities. That's completely undercut by the chopstick-style music that's played under it. Oh, so disappointing and felt really racist. Also, And it's just like, yeah. that's the same music you would have played if they were in, like, Beijing, China. It's anywhere in Asia it's getting the same music. Um, it, also, at the very beginning, when they tease that we're going to be in Japan, it shows Mumbly alongside a sumo wrestler, and Mumbly's going, <laughs> while squinting really hard, and it's just, it's not a... He's, I feel like he always looks like that. He always does, but they, like, did him next to the sumo wrestler, and them both doing that. They're both doing They're it. They're both doing you're it. You're right. In it's... a way that the optics are bad. Well, I think the optics, which isn't to say that there were any Swiss people in Switzerland. Hmm. There are Japanese people in Japan, but anyway, I'll get to that when I get to that. Yeah, okay. So. What, I, what I think we should devote a lot of time to, because this is a Scooby-Doo podcast, and because most of this episode is not f focusing on Scooby-Doo characters, I wanted to, to spend a little bit more time on the first round of sumo wrestling, this which is, is not an Olympic event. No, and it's also the only time we see Shaggy in this whole episode. So this is called sumo wrestling mm -hmm. in the olympics there's wrestling freestyle and there's wrestling greco-roman and then there are different weight classes hmm. there is no women's wrestling greco-roman we know we google it every olympics 
Evan and I have been petitioning hard for years, and still no dice. I just want to bring the Olympics back to what they were originally. Yeah. Just like oh, naked just dudes slathered in olive dudes. oil. Yeah. <laughs> Which is not like a racist thing. That's literally no, what this they would do. is what it was, yeah. <laughs> we, we just want to go back to college, really. <laughs> Everything but the olive oil. <laughs> uh, deep cut. Uh, the first fight is between Shaggy and Grape Ape. Which is Sumo to say, wrestling. there are clearly no weight class restrictions in here. None at all. Grape Ape is a big ape, but... He's huge. He becomes... He's uh, King 20 feet tall. He takes on King Kong-esque proportions relative to Shaggy, who is virtually a borrower by comparison. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Just off the top. So what is this borrower doing exactly? This borrower is, like, uncharacteristically for Shaggy, not at all scared of Grape Ape just running around teasing him, as Scooby really encourages from the sidelines. So these Scooby are the is the most supportive mom. Funniest things to me, okay? Scooby is cheering, but like a Pokemon character, can only say his own name. <laughs> so true. Uh, Ruby. 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 Also, oh, this is going back a ways to the very beginning, but when the episode opens up, it's like, welcome to the Scooby's All-Star Laugh Olympics. And Scooby goes, Scooby-Doo. No Scooby-Dooby? Nothing? And then right before the episode opens, it's like, ready, set, let's go. And Scooby goes, yeah. And then it opens. Like, yeah? Is that really, is that your catchphrase for this? Yeah? Scooby is so poorly done in this whole episode. Uh, Underutilized. What I really, uh, yeah. really like about Shaggy, there's sort of like a give and take here. So Scooby is cheering, cheering on his best friend, his best buddy. What is Shaggy doing? Shaggy is showing off for Scooby in the most look ma no hands way imaginable. Ah, look, Scooby, hey, Scooby, look at me. Look, I'm over Scoob, here. Scooby, look. He can't even lay a finger on me. Look at this. Huh? Yeah. Uh. It's again uncharacteristic for Shaggy to be so unscared of this. Although Grape Ape isn't a threatening figure, Grape Ape is clapping with hands that are bigger than Shaggy. Trying to grab him. It, like, it, this should be terrifying. I just don't understand. I don't understand why Shaggy... Like, yeah, he's like a five-year-old boy showing his mom that he made it to the top of the jungle gym. <laughs> I, I do think we have a more Shaggy-esque moment when he does say, Look, he can't even lay a finger on me. And then Grape Ape literally puts one finger on Shaggy, pinning him to the ground. And it's kind of an uncomfortable moment where Grape Ape's finger is kind of pressing into Shaggy's stomach. And I feel like a bug is about to be squished. <laughs> Ooh. And Shaggy is also demonstrating the coward cowardliness of a bug that's about to be squished, which was my favorite moment of the episode. I, I love Shaggy's cowardly cry when he loses. I like, help, help, I wasn't meant to be a wrestler. I'm all brains, no brawn. Help, help. Like, and I Shaggy, think he says brains more than once, too. Just he to... said, I'm all brains, brains, no brawn. It's like, Shaggy, you are not brains. Not you're, brains. you're right that you're not brawn. If I had a penny for every time you referenced fearing books <laughs> not just hating them but fearing them uh and that's and that's it shaggy loses to grape ape no big surprise there so once again sumo wrestling is not an olympic event i actually think it would be kind of cool if it was i, I find yeah. sumo wrestling really fascinating do you know the rules of sumo wrestling it's essentially when you're knocked out of the ring you lose right it's not losing your footing it's getting pushed out of the ring what is shaggy doing during his performance He's running in and out of the ring. <laughs> hes It's like Marco Polo. He's getting out of the pool. He's a cheater. He literally is, is hopping. 
inside and outside of the ring. <laughs> In and outside. And Grape Ape does not... It's almost as if Grape Ape is following the rules. <laughs> and Shaggy is just not. Shaggy definitely deserved uh, to lose So, this. clearly... One, the, one moment, really quick. I have to say, never are the awkwardness of the jerseys more obvious than seeing the blue little jersey stretched over Shaggy's green shirt. It's true. It looks so weird and awkward. Like, they should have uniforms. But These they... are, I think, like we... Uh, like we compare them to elementary school jerseys. Absolutely, could be nothing else. And that's Shaggy versus Grape Ape. Grape Ape stays in the ring to fight one of the really rottens. And, and again, clearly, they knew that sumo wrestling was something that took place in Japan, but did no other research. That was the absolute upper limit. So it's it's Dinky Dastardly, who again is very large. I'm sorry, Dinky Dalton, who again is very large, and he tags out and lets his two brothers tag in, which turns this into a 2v1. Mumbly tags out. Oh, sorry, you're right. Mumbly tags out. D- d- um, Dirty and Dastardly Dalton tag in. So it's 2v1, and what they do is they tickle Grape Ape, and then they win. Yeah, that's all there is to it. They tickle him to submission. T- uh, Dinky does cheer them on from the sidelines. I want to dedicate a few seconds to, to... He looks like the March Hare. His name is Magic Rabbit. Um, ah, yeah, this son of a gun. And they fill, I want to say, 30 full seconds. If you combine them all, 30 full seconds of the show is the camera panning to Magic Rabbit and him going, Brack! For no reason. In response to virtually nothing. Just And honestly, it's so often in response to something the Really Rottens are doing that for the longest time I thought he was on a different team. Yeah, because he does this when the Really Rottens succeed. He does this when the Really Rottens fail he does this when they're not even competing it's it's on another level the other thing i want to mention before we move on is that when a grape ape is being tickled the announcer also can't control his laughter he starts yeah. laughing <laughs> as if the laughter is so contagious that he can't help himself <laughs> also that announcer who's laughing is not a character in the show. He's not Snagglepuss or Mildew. We have Snagglepuss and Mildew Wolf, and there is an additional unseen narrator who has a much more traditional announcer-type voice, which I hate it. Give us more Snagglepuss. The only Japanese people we see is Mildew, and I guess he's on um, Bleachers, uh, and he's being fanned by two silent geishas. Exactly what I wrote. And he asks them to turn up the air conditioning, my little butterflies. And that's it. And that's it. He also says he loves Japanese culture, which clearly the creators did not. And it's just like, if they had taken the approach with Switzerland and not showed any Japanese people at all, they would they would have done a better job. It, they would have been in much better shape. This was a big misstep, in my opinion. Uh, the next event, and oof, we like we're. I wanted this episode to be shorter than it is. <laughs> that's okay. But the next event is going to be tennis. What's that called officially? Uh, singles men. Because it is just, it's it singles and they're, and they're dudes. I have to say, virtually every Olympic event sounds like a meetup group. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's tennis. Um, just to give a quick rundown of the scores, at this point, it is the uh, Yogi's at 65, Rotten's and Scooby's at 55 apiece. So it's anybody's game. That seems impossible to me. It seems impossible to me that the Rotten's could ever tie with another team, given that they've lost the first three events. And, like, should have been disqualified from several of them with no points. But again, they're neck and neck with the dudes, or the doobies. And now we're going into tennis. To start out with, it's Yogi versus the Great Fondue. 
so Yogi, it's it said the announcer says this that Yogi has won four Laugh Olympic gold medals. But this is the first episode. And also, no one's won any medals. Yeah. Yogi like, hasn't and, even won events yet in this episode. Okay. Luke, here's something to consider, and that I did not while watching this episode. Okay. O- ostensibly, and, and, I, I'm, and I, because I can't remember exactly, Yogi has won four Laugh Olympic gold medals in tennis. And then he reveals that two of them are doubles. Okay. Are like doubles medals. So he's like that. He says like I, that makes it like eight medals mm-hmm. or something, which I think is like that's not how it works. Um, that's bad math. Yeah. But so if he's won, so let's say that this is his third Olympics. His second Olympics, he got a singles and a double. His first Olympics, he did a single and a double. And the Olympics are always four years apart. It's at least like twelve years since his first Olympics. My gosh, he's been competing for a long, long. I missed all of this, by the way. And and I'm applying real world Olympic con- logic to what is to a show that has not uh, expressed that at any point. A show that's almost allergic to this stuff. But I love that you're doing this, and I think that's it's worthwhile to do to say to see what the distance is from this and the real thing. Uh, I, I will for, say the, mm-hmm. that this was my favorite uh, matchup. This was my favorite at all of the events. So so talk us through it. Yogi versus the Great Fondue. How's that go down? I, I loved it because the fondue shows himself to be a competent magician in that mm-hmm. so Yogi is hitting the ball and he keeps hitting it to the left, which is like, come on, you're playing tennis, you want to like, b- both sides of the court, you want to alternate. Make him run, just like we do in ping pong. But he keeps hitting it in increments to the left and um, the great fondue keeps magically cloning himself to the left. And I was like, this is amazing. Yeah, it, great fondue, it's great magic. And not only is he replicating himself, he's duplicating the ball so that he's, uh, like, machine-gunning balls back at uh, Yogi. And here's where it gets, like, you know that they had a, a cool idea in mind, but they didn't care about, like, the rules of tennis. <laughs> because then the great fondue, all six of him serve balls at the exact same time. And Yogi, remarkably, returns all of them in great form. By lifting up his racket and having it double in size. Does that actually happen? Yeah. Does it get bigger? Oh my gosh, how did I miss this? Give me a second. He doesn't even move the racket. He holds it up I, and then holds it up. I, I did catch that he didn't move the racket. It was like a kid catching something, like you just hold up your hand and you expect the ball to make it. Yogi presses a button on the racket and it becomes bigger. And yeah, he just holds it up and they all, they all shoot back at him. Then the great fondues, like one of the balls hits his hat. And the rabbit comes out and says, blah. <laughs> okay, so after that, it's Yogi versus Dynomutt. Okay, now the, here's the part where I had a note. Yogi is tired going into the second match. He's winded, and Dynomutt didn't have to play another match. Like, Which is a weird touch of realism. It, it's weird, and it's also like the, the, doos, the doobies never have to fight the rottens. They just both fight the yogis. So it's not a three-way fight. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's not even-handed. There, there are so few, um, I mean, with only three teams, you can't really create, like, good tournament brackets for that. You need even numbers, and you need, like, a lot of them. And you have to be kind of thorough to determine an actual winner. And again, like, regardless of what happened between the Rottens and the Yogis, and the Doobies and the Yogis, have the Rottens and the Doobies fight. Or, or compete. Can you do Dynomutt's voice? Because I didn't realize until Dynomutt faces Yogi that Dynomutt also has, and you said... Uh, what did you say in terms of speaking? What was the quality? You said everyone has like a distinctive quality. I, I don't remember what I said. But I was, yeah, everyone 
I'm gonna say speech impediment. <laughs> <laughs> they they all have a unique manner of speech. I'll try and catch Dynamuts if you give me a sec. That's me, Dog Wonder. I'm Dino Mutt. Pretty accurate, I think. Um, in the same way that Shaggy and Scooby were kind of cheering each other on or like on and off the court or whatever, um, in this case, uh, there's the Blue Falcon, who is a superhero, and he tells Dino Mutt what I imagine many a director has told uh, the Fluffer on set, <laughs> oh, <what's> which is <laughs> to, and I quote, uh, I am really trying to navigate mentally which parts of that I'm going to have to bleep or cut. I just have no idea what I need to keep or cut. You know what? I think you should just bleep the whole quote. The whole quote. Just bleep the whole quote. And that way, uh, if listeners really want to find out what it is, they'll just watch the episode. That's a good way of doing it. I love that. Genius. Um, Dino Mutt beats Yogi simply because Yogi's winded, which is so, so not fair. Because Dino Mutt didn't have to play a second match. And so Dino Mutt wins, and the Scooby Doobies come out in the lead for that, even though Dino Mutt might have lost to the Rottens, making it a wash. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, it, it's super unfair. It's, I, I don't know why I'm applying this kind of logic to the show, but I am. Well, I think, I think because it's unfair, but not in the sense of the really Rottens cheating, but in the way that things are set up. Because you expect the really Rottens to do things that um, hinder the success of the two hero teams, but you yeah. don't expect the rules themselves to hinder the hero teams. But the rules do. And, and it, it's set up such that the Rottens really winded Yogi by underhanded means, costing him the next match, in my opinion. Uh, so, yeah, it is... Um... The points as they stand are Yogi's at 80, Rotten's at 65, and Scooby-Dooby's at 80. So this is the this is the final event. So there are three in Switzerland. There's three in Tokyo, um, and this final event takes us. And and I am gonna nitpick a little bit. The venue is the Tokyo Baseball Stadium, not like the Yukihira Stadium, not like the. Uh, I, what's another I Japanese name? It's terrible. I was gonna be like Samsung Stadium. I don't know. I don't no, know. No, no. Even is. even that would have worked. Like the Samsung Stadium. It's just the Tokyo Baseball Stadium, well, which they, is just like. There was no baseball stadium in Tokyo until this aired, and then they built it. <laughs> so you can't really blame them. They were making history. I like the name that they gave the Tokyo baseball team, though, uh, which what is the it? Tokyo Transistors. Ooh, that is nice. Yeah, and I'll especially like you know they make a lot of they make a lot of um, tech like uh, components. You know, like in yeah, in I Japan. mean it's a, it's uh, its own it's the Silicon Valley of Asia. So yeah, I thought that was cool. I thought it was kind of whack that they they like it was just like. This is New York Baseball Stadium. <laughs> when you put it in those terms, it does sound really bad. Especially given that, I'm joking, baseball is huge in Japan. Baseball, like Japan and South Korea, but like especially Japan, J- pros from the Japanese league make it into the MLB. Yeah, we, as, as speaking as an American, we steal Japanese baseball players like we steal Canadian hockey players. It, it happens, and so it's, it's anyway. Um, anyway, uh, I all I wanted from this episode was for Hong Kong Fui not to show up in Asia, and oh. that is about to happen. So there's no baseball in the Olympics, but I feel like honestly there are enough countries around the world that it it they could do it. Yeah, I I think it could definitely be done. But if it 
did take place in the Olympics, there would certainly, I was going to say almost certainly, but there would certainly not be a baseball batting contest within that sport. It's not, it's not baseball. It's a baseball batting contest. It's purely one team pitches, the other team strikes, and that's it. Right. Game it's over. It's not even that every team is batting against the same sort of like Olympic, like objective pitcher. They're all, they're actually facing off against one another. And yet... The way, the team that wins wins because they got runs when no one else got any runs, but no one was running bases. That's not that wasn't part of this. Yeah, there are no runs. You you could say home runs, I guess, in which the the baseball is like leaving but, the stadium. But again, the team that wins wins because they say you got runs and no one else got runs. Okay, but there was no running. So the first first it's Hong Kong Fui pitching to Quick Draw McGraw the horse. I really like Quick Draw McGraw because he has a I, guitar. And it's called El Kabong, and he hits people with it. I don't know Quick Draw McGraw super well. Not someone who's very well-seated in my memory. You, okay, you know what's really messed up? What? They kept Hong Kong Fui, who is like, I guess, a dog who does Kung Fu. But they got... but, And, and as far as I can tell, um, the Yogi Yahoois have the most characters. I think they have the, the, the largest team. But what they didn't do was they didn't give Quick Draw McGraw his little, like, burrow sidekick. You know, he has that little, that, he has a little sombrero, he's like a little burrow, like a little donkey. Oh, yeah, you're right. I Again, that show, I don't remember very well. It just didn't seems see weird to, like, we'll keep one racial stereotype, but not the other. It's not okay to depict Hispanic people like that, man. Not cool. I think he's less offensive than Hong Kong Fui, personally. I, no, I completely agree. Hong Kong Fui... Like does a lot of like faux Asian shouts when he does kung fu, and he's voiced by Scatman Carruthers. I'm Scatman, <laughs> which kind of to me says that they're trying to depict the just Asian languages as nonsense. Yeah, or like that they're equivocating. They're making a comparison there. That's it was not... the sounds that like got me. The sounds I was just like, oh come on, man. Like, Why do you have to so do that? Yeah, like. They do because he pitches several times and makes a kung fu sound with each one. It makes sense that he's doing pitches with kung fu moves, but the shouts and the it's it doesn't it's not. I don't care for it. So yeah, well, they pitch whatever. Uh, and then it's when, quick draw. McGraw does whatever he does. Quick draw. McGraw does a very bad job for someone who swings a guitar. For a yeah, for kind of a living, he he swings and misses, but partly because they're really kung fu-y. Um, pitches that can't be hit but he swings and misses twice drills himself into the ground and it's a strike for the third he's out and 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 that seems weird to me you think that you'd be playing to the strengths of the characters as as you know their canonical strengths i i also would have thought that they would have given him a guitar so he could have done a callback to his real thing and like actually hit the ball with a guitar maybe for the third the third time whips twice with a bat and then hits it with a guitar that would have been very cool actually yeah it's so easy to do i don't know why they didn't do it the next matchup is is Captain Caveman. So so this is interesting in that um, they're they're alternating like hitters and pitchers, right? So before it was the Scooby Doobies pitching to the Yogi Yahoo's, mm. and now it's this it's the it's Scooby Doobies who are hitting, and that's Captain Caveman, and the really rotten's that's the Dread Baron who's pitching. Yeah, and all I can think during these is what why it's not even not ev- everybody doesn't get a chance to pitch and hit. It's, it's really spotty. Um, whatever the case, Captain Caveman swings a club. That's like his go-to thing. He at least gets to use that. El Cabong. I mean, 
that's upset. Now that I realize it, I'm I'm unimpressed by that creative decision. I, I'm unimpressed that they mm. didn't let um, Quick Draw McGraw use El Cabal. It, it was a misstep, I think. A real missed opportunity at the very least. But um, Mumbly gives the Dread Baron uh, his barreling Baron baseball blaster. A Gatling gun for baseballs, basically. But Captain Caveman hits all 37 of them. Yeah, that's what he does. Man, Captain Caveman, did we describe him already? You said he's kind of oval-shaped. I just want to say he's that kind of caveman who's covered in hair in a way. He looks like Cousin It. Cousin It, but it always disturbs. Uh, his, his facial features protrude from the hair. He's got like a nose and a mouth within that, almost like the hair disappears inside of the mouth. This kind of character design always makes me feel a little uncomfortable because I know he's naked under all that hair. I feel like a wang is going to snake out at some point, like when he's running or something like that. It's going <laughs> to, I mean, really, like all it takes it's is gonna, a, It's going to be like um, the, the Velociraptors out of the long grass in Jurassic Park. Clever girl. It's, it, it is that kind of thing where it's just uh, the right breeze in the wrong place is, could really make this a non-PG show. I like, to, I like to think that the fact that Captain Caveman doesn't bathe has sort of turned the hair into this matted garment. Yeah, it's more like dreadlocks than uh, Pantene. <laughs> <laughs> Pantene Pro V. Pro V, yeah. yeah, like silken hair. So Captain Caveman holds his own quite well. The final thing that we have is Scooby Dumb pitching to Pig Suey. Which, yeah, you're right. This is so uneven. Yeah, not everyone gets a chance to pitch. Not everyone gets a chance to bat. Because first it... I'm just going to say the letters. So first it was YY versus SD. Yeah. YY pitches to SD. YY pitches to SD. Then RR pitches to SD. Then SD pitches to RR. So the Yogi Yahooies were like, after um, Quick Draw McGraw, that was it. He was done. Yeah. Yo- the, the Yogi Yahooies never got a chance to bat. I question the really Ron's decision to put Suey Pig as their batter. You mean the pig who has sneakers on each hoof? <laughs> <laughs> and one eye, an eye patch over the... This is objectively the worst. Why not the octopus? They have an octopus on their team. Yeah, why not the octopus? Why not, um... What's... Dinky Dalton. Dinky Dalton, who is who's... a giant of a man. He's like if Bluto and Popeye had a baby. The build of Bluto, the forearms of Popeye. You're... Wow, that's so uncannily accurate a description it, it's almost anyone would have been no scratch that literally anyone would have been a better choice than pig suey i don't want to put this in the corrections so i'm just gonna say right now i will say that the really rons have two women on their team and one of them is one of the creeplies you're right she has no speaking roles and barely appears but there is another woman on there so um and here's the thing scooby gets um he gets pitching advice from fred flintstone yes they cut back and they say, uh, earlier, uh, Scooby Dumb got some, uh, some advice from Fred Flintstone. And then we cut to Scooby Dumb talking to Fred and Barney Rubble. Yeah, sorry, it's Scooby Dumb. It's not Scooby Doo. Um, but would he have needed it to pitch against a half blind pig? I don't think so. And the advice is really non existent because Fred Flintstone says, uh, back when I was uh, playing with the such and such, the rock smashing team or whatever, it was like this. And Barney says, you were never on that team. <laughs> so there's, there's really no takeaway from that. They just wanted to show the Flintstones, which I get. I love the Flintstones as much as the next guy. So, so the Scooby Doobies win. The final scores are uh, Scooby Doobies 105, Yogi Yahooies 80, and the Really Rotten's 85. 65. 65. Yes, correct. Sorry. Really Rotten's in last place. They 
the part that gets me is that not only are they uneven in the chances they give people to, to play a role in a game, but it's spotty which events have first, second, and third, and which events have only a first. I also, I think, I think when you think about the Olympics, and and when I think about a game, for example, like um, Mario and Sonic, uh, sorry, that was Sochi. Sochi was in Russia. Is that a thing? Was that a thing? Um, I I said recently I missed the Korean one was. Oh yeah. Pyeongchang, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Pyongyang. No, Pyongyang is in North Korea. I'm dumb. Uh, so sorry. What were you saying about uh, Mario? Ba- basically, that there's so many things that you associate with the Olympics. You associate the medals. There's gold. There's there's silver. There's bronze. You mm-hmm. also associate the tiers at the end, where there are three tiers, and they all stand on the tiers, yeah. and they hold their medals. That has to be the biggest missed opportunity in this episode, and maybe in this series, we haven't seen more of it yet, that they don't have that moment where the head of each team or someone from each team is on those tiers. No. What they do is they have a tiered platform, but all the Scooby-Doobies stand on it. Yeah, and then and they say the Scooby-Doobies win, and then they cut to a separate picture of the Laugh Olympics gold medal, which we've never seen before, and it's a picture of the gold medal on its own. No one even wears it on the Scooby-Doobies team. And that is... The whole episode. Um, that's the whole episode. Uh, let's let's do a little bit of a wind down. It's pretty apparent why we're not going to be covering this again anytime soon. I, I, I'm guessing the apparent reason is that there's virtually no Scooby-Doo in this show. Next to none. I mean, This is a Hanna-Barbera series. Scooby skied, and then Shaggy wrestled, well, Scooby and then Scooby dumb pitched. Yeah. But... But you're missing, you're missing the human characters, all four of them. Mm-hmm. Or sorry, all three, three of the four. It, 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 that does make a degree of sense to me. For the Laugh Olympics, where they're not all trying to be funny, but that's clearly the overt goal of the show, Daphne, Fred, and Velma are way less cartoony than everyone else in this that's in the lineup. True. That, that said, it's dishonest to say this is the Scooby gang. A gang is not two people, let alone a dude and his dog. There's so little actual scoop. I, I think the problem is, it's not so much that it's it's the reduced gang, it's that Scooby and Shaggy mm-hmm. act in ways that are uncharacteristic. It sounded like I had more to say, but that's it. But no, it's true. I, for me, it's that Scooby and Shaggy are almost absent from this show. If we were going by the number of times the word Scooby is said, yeah, it's definitely a Scooby-Doo show. But outside of that, definitely not. This is a Hanna-Barbera show. I, uh, my, my thing is more just their characterizations. I agree with you in that mm. Shaggy should have been very frightened to wrestle with Grape Ape. But he was thrilled. <laughs> just the like, look, Scooby, look at me. I'm doing so good. Oh, Scooby-Dooby. The Grape Ape is like the jaguar without the jaguar head. He kind of is. Yeah. Grape Ape is so charmingly drawn. I really like Grape Ape. He's got like that. I like that he just j- he jumps up and down and that's like it. I, I like that he has a like little baseball hat and a tie and that little like jacket. Yeah, he looks so charming. He looks ple- he's just pleasant. He's just a pleasant character. Yeah, really, I really like this guy. So, so that's my whole thing. I think that Scooby Scooby and Shaggy have very strong personalities, and if they came through more, uh, that'd be really great. Maybe I I think the thing about Scooby is that he does display courage, uh, every every time and again, but mm. um. I think when you imagine a Scooby-Doo Olympic-style show, the really rottens are more frightening. The really rottens are like maybe like the Adam. I know they're not uh, Hanna Barbera, but the Adams family. Hmm. So they're they're actually frightening for Scooby and Shaggy to compete against. 
I think that's kind of what's needed. And if not the really rottens, simply the events themselves scaring Scooby and Shaggy. If Scooby and Shaggy are going down a downhill slalom, that should terrify them. Even if there's like outside of interference that they might get. I also think that this, this show could benefit from more of a wacky racers type setup where there are more teams so that the, uh, the loyalties are more clear. I mean, like what affiliates Hong Kong Fui with Shaggy and Scooby-Doo over Yogi Bear? Nothing. It's, it's a completely arbitrary line that's drawn. And if we had the Scooby Gang versus um, uh, Captain Caveman and the Teen Angels versus the Yogi Gang versus Quick Draw McGraw and his team, that would be, the lines would be way more clear. I also don't want to add this to the corrections. The Animals Family was produced by Hanna-Barbera. It was? Oh. <laughs> but like in 1992, so like well after all of this. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's not bad at all. Um, yeah, we, I mean, we'll return to this episode during the next Winter Olympics, perhaps. Maybe we'll, we'll hit it in time for that. So, in, uh, well, we could do it in two years. We could do it for the 20, um, 20 Summer Olympics. I don't know. I don't want to run it into the ground. We should give it a little time to breathe. When are they doing the 2020 Olympics? I don't know. It, it's not Rio. They did Rio already. Yeah. If they ever choose Toronto, I am going to flip my lid. When you say flip your lid, is that as, as a good thing? That would be very upsetting to me. Uh, we did the Commonwealth Games here a little while ago. And it's just like, we have trouble accommodating like 3 million people. So, like, adding more people to, like, the transit system and stuff, like, really puts a strain on the Yeah, city. you guys already have housing issues. Yeah, it just becomes a lot. It just, it's, like, it, it brings a lot of money, which is, like, great. Uh, but outside of that. Yeah. Um, but you know what? This I, is I hear you. I, I will definitely what our listeners want to hear. Yeah. <laughs> they, our listeners are also dying to hear how the Super Bowl just took place in the town where I live. Oh. And I hated it. I hated it because there's more people here for an event that I care Was nothing about. Was there a lot about. more traffic? I wouldn't know because I did not leave the house. Ah. Completely avoided it. Did you know that my baby boy podcast? Pardon? Did I know that my baby boy no. would one day walk on water? <laughs> hey, hey, Evan. What, what do people in France call it when they send each other dicey photos of their private parts? Um, as my, my French, uh, vocabulary does not extend to those to what i think you're getting at i i now feel bad that i'm, I'm actually making you exert mental effort towards this la la phallic pics la phallic pics does it is that laugh olympics similar huh? oh that's good laugh olympics la phallic pics <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's i'm trying so hard to make it sound like that <laughs> Do you like my picks. delight at, at realizing what you were doing? I was <laughs> such a pleasant surprise. I, I like that it was not obvious. I wish it was both clever and not obvious, but I'll take what I can get. Thank you, listeners, for joining us for the very first episode of Scooby-Doo's All-Star Laugh Olympics. This is going to be the last time we cover it for a while. So I hope you enjoyed it. Honestly, I feel like we could just cover it every like you said every time there's an olympics so literally every two years we'll do one yeah i think that sounds like plenty that said i really enjoyed this it was a fun watch it was interesting there was a lot of stuff that didn't work in it but it was fun to talk about we didn't do as many voices as i thought we were going to which is a little disappointing for me same here but there were i I had a really hard time replicating the voices for myself like oh how is snagglepuss different from huckleberry like it's all there's so many voices um 
But it was a lot of fun, and now I'd really love if we could tell our listeners where they can follow up with us. For one thing, we told them about some corrections and stuff they might be able to see and some additional content we might link to. If you go to ScoobyDudes.com, you will be able to see really gorgeous title card. Uh, this is the mm-hmm. last title card by Napasorn Sensory. Um, uh, and they've been great. You can visit our Tumblr. It's pxnicmoon.tumblr.com. Uh, and also, like you said, uh, there's captioned screenshots, there are show notes to elaborate on things that we've mentioned in this episode, uh, and corrections. If yeah. if we got anything else wrong. If we did, we'll see. Evan will find out. I also have to say that this is some of my favorite title card art that we've commissioned yet. I think she is brilliant and talented. So please check us out at scoobydudes.com for all of that great additional content. Also, if you're the tweeting type, hit us up on Twitter. Uh, Twitter.com slash thescoobydudes. And the Scooby Dudes. If you tweet at me or us, I will tweet back at you. Yeah, sure will. Uh, if you're a Facebooking type, simply Scooby Dudes on Facebook. Couldn't be easier to find. Yeah, just put it in the search bar, just facebook.com slash Scooby Dudes. Yep. If you're the emailing type, Scooby Dudes Podcast at gmail.com. There's few things I love more than getting messages from our listeners in our Gmail, and we respond to all of them. We've been responding more quickly. Yeah, we've been getting better. I've been getting better. <laughs> And uh, Twitter, Gmail, Facebook, ScoobyDudes.com. Patreon. Patreon.com is where you gotta go if you want to get additional Scooby Dudes content. Go to Patreon.com slash ScoobyDudes. Uh, if you donate to us, you will get additional content. Yeah, yeah, I mean, things that they might be able to get. Stickers, compliments, uh, additional recording audio, bad jokes that i write on a weekly basis uh there's a lot that evan punches up hard on a weekly basis. we're always trying to uh we're always trying to think of more that we can give you if you are one of our uh patrons send us a message and let us know what you like uh and if you want to be a new patron we will listen to that as well give us give us money and we'll try to make that worth your while and we will also say your name every week that's right. We'll give you a big old shout-out the first time you donate. And hey, we're going to keep giving you shout-outs every week after that because you keep giving us money. So let's go ahead and do that. Let's thank our beloved, beloved patrons who help keep our lights on and pay pay the bill for all of our other many, many, many bills. Yeah. Thank you to those people. One other thing I want to mention is iTunes. Uh, if you write us a five-star review on iTunes, Evan will read whatever you write, no matter what it is, and I will bleep only if I have to. And I will do that right now. Really? Who has written a five-star iTunes review for us? So we actually got, and I'm very thankful for this, another Canadian review, because nice. I am, we've both been looking for more Canadian reviews. Uh, once you have a certain number of reviews, iTunes will give you an average. I don't quite think we're there yet, but we're getting close. Bit by bit. So mm-hmm. this review was left for us on March 8th. Uh, it is from someone who named Troy Friend. Uh, Troy sent us an email as well. Hey, Troy. The title is, All Thanks to These Meddling Kids. So it's five stars, which is what we've said we need for me to read it. Yeah. If it's a very, very, very nice four-star review, F- I will ask you. why you didn't just bump it up to five. I we I do not... No, five, five stars, come on. Five or nothing. Are you ready for this? D- I mean, and by nothing, I mean no review, not no stars. I, I think I'm ready for it. What did Troy have to say about the podcast? Love the Scooby Gang? Drink to forget Scrappy-Doo. Then, I'm putting quotes around this, good boy Luke and <laughs> quotes, quote, nasty boy, end quote, Evan. 
are the perfect set of meddling kids to bring you along into an episode-by-episode deep-dive dissection of all that is Scooby-Doo. Each hour-ish long episode is filled with humor, colorful commentary, and strong opinions from a pair of individuals who genuinely care for the Scooby-Doo series. I would highly recommend giving these dudes a chance, as I find myself looking forward to hearing the strong and loving timbre of Luke's voice, as well as the bumbling antics of Scooby-Doo, I mean Evan, each week. See, so few people recognize that my voice has not a timbre, but a wooden uh, lumber quality of timber. Almost like a, a fine oak or the like. So h- how do you feel about that review? That's so sweet. I th- this review is kind of vamping on a bit that we were doing with Troy via email. It was we were emailing back. By the way, I love that email thread. That was a lot, a lot of fun. And uh, no, I love this review. I think it's clearly based on our email because he calls me a good boy and you a nasty boy. You're making a face there, Evan. <laughs> Do you not like being a nasty boy, Evan? Are you doing the Andrew WK GIF? <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> I love that GIF. We, we watched that so many times in college. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's, it's often a part of compilations, it's a, but it's just hilarious. It's the GIF that keeps on giving. I'm really glad that you recognized it, like, immediately. Oh, right away, man. That is seared into my, permanent, my long-term memory. Just to go back to that review... Thanks, Troy. That means a lot to us, especially that you'd uh, you'd hit us up on Gmail. Yeah, I mean, I just really appreciate it. And you're right, we're amazing. So thanks for being honest. I I think we might have another review coming before too long from someone that hit us up on LinkedIn, who said that he might write an iTunes review. I accepted his LinkedIn invitation, and I actually sent him back a massively long response. Did you really? I did. It was at least one page if I pasted it into a Word document. Goodness gracious. And I gave him a lot of input on what I hoped his review might involve. All right, well. So, dude, guy who hit us up on LinkedIn, I'm not going to blast your name. Write that review, man. I spent maybe an hour on that response, so I want to see a review out of it. (laughs) You would. iTunes, Twitter, Facebook, Gmail, ScoobyDudes.com, Patreon. That's it, guys. That's everything you should need to get more Scooby Dudes content. Yeah, so uh, thank you for listening. This, This is a longer episode than most, but whenever we start... Whenever we do a first episode of a show, the groundwork just, you know, takes takes a bunch of time. Exactly. It takes a lot to lay. And in this episode, more than almost any other, there we were inundated with characters, many of whom I'm not familiar with. But I had a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to doing it again in two years. I love doing this episode, doing this podcast. I love getting five-star reviews. I love it when I'm called a good boy. And I love my little nasty boy buddy. <laughs> That's you, Evan. Please don't call me that. I love you, nasty. Please, like... You're my NB. I don't want to ask our listeners not to, because I feel like it's going to bring in a deluge of, like, unwanted comments. <laughs> unwanted nasty boy comments. Also, it's, it's so not fair to you, who tries to, you try so hard to keep it clean and keep us on the up and up. And all I want is to tear that down. I love you, nasty boy. Nasty though you may be, I love you because you're a boy. Yeah? That's what you want to go with? No, I don't. (laughs)